0: Hello? Hey! Hello! We're counterculture! Let's unpack! Counterculture. We're here at Belong Studios and with us here is Ibrahim um, Mazidi and Ali Hassan. We're going to be talking about our relationship as a culture with the West. So in this episode, we want to hold a mirror up to
1: counterculture and recognize the ways that we, as a group of people discussing these issues, tend to be kind of Western-educated, English-speaking individuals who have these ideas about how we want Kuwait to change. And so today we want to really think about where those ideas come from and what our relationship is with this quote-unquote the West. We'll go around and how about each person say their name, a little bit about themselves and their relationship with the West.
2: Thank you for having my show on the show. Uh, My name is Ali Al-Hassan, Ali Ali Al-Hassan, and uh, background is uh, electrical engineering and math. Uh, even though I don't do that anymore. And uh, I do a couple of things here in Kuwait. Uh, I have a cafe, Cafe Caffeine, and um, as well as a software company, uh, Business Intelligence Systems, or BIS. Uh, and I have a TV show uh, called Ali Inspires, where we do interviews with um, uh, inspirational figures in Kuwait. Um, my relationship with the West, I've been, most of my life I live in the US, actually. So more, I live more there than I did in Kuwait. When I was a kid, my dad went to school. So I was there until I was, Eight, and then I came back like dying to go back so through uh, middle school uh, elementary, middle school and and, uh, and high school uh, my dream was to go back to the US so actually when I was 19 I went back to the US but that time after graduation I ended up staying so I stayed like uh, another 14 years working in the US, building a business and things like that so um, that's my relationship with the US
3: Cool Alright, um, my name is uh, Rahim Al-Mazidi Um, I'm a medical doctor and a psychiatry resident in Kuwait, the Kuwait Board of Psychiatry. I was involved previously with founding some NGOs in Kuwait, including Hikmah, if you've heard of them. That was back, I think, in 2013. Um, Worked with the campaign for uh, ratifying the Mental Health Act in Kuwait. And uh, I am currently the president of the Kuwait Psychiatry Club which is involved with many academic activities uh, surrounding psychiatry and mental health in general. My relationship with the West, I was uh, born and raised here and uh, studied here all my life. Uh, Something I'm proud of and I love. I love even more. I love more every day. I discover a new side to my country every day, to my culture. I went to an American school. Maybe that's my relationship with the West. Um, But that's uh, pretty much it. And yeah.
0: I'm Hissa, well, you guys know me. <laughs> um, my relationship with the West is kind of uh, interesting. I uh, studied abroad in Colorado, and then I worked there for about a year and a half. Um, I came back, and it was kind of, I didn't want to come back. It was visa issues, so I had to come back, and I was like, okay, khaira. Um And now I am uh, working in KU. Um, as an architectural engineer and a teaching assistant, and it's a whole new culture, and I'm learning so much every day. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of my relationship with the West.
1: Yeah, similarly, I to Ali and Hafsa, I guess I grew up in the US when I was a kid until I was about 11 years old, and then I moved to Kuwait, and you know, I just had my eyes set on going back to the US for most of the time that I was here and then I left. Um when I was about seventeen and then uh yeah, so and then I lived abroad for about seven, eight years. And now I'm back in Kuwait. I guess like my relationship with the West goes beyond just simply the fact that I live there and, and maybe you all feel similarly. It's what I consume, so all the books I read pretty much, like all the movies I watch, like all the T V shows I watch. Like they tend to be quote-unquote western shows and so i would say it plays a predominant role in in my life even when in kuwait
0: can i ask a quick question do you guys think in english or arabic just i'm i'm, I'm curious yeah, that's that's a, a, you know
2: that's a good question uh when i um uh after high school when i went back to the u.s uh, it was like you're you're i'm starting trying to work on my accent and 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 uh, at the beginning, um, you think in Arabic. And so you translate in your head the words. Um, but after a while, you start thinking in English. And I noticed this, which is interesting. I don't know if you too had that or not. After, like when I was in, uh, in college, I went to SMU in Dallas. So there's no Kuwaitis. I was the only one. And so all of my conversation is in English. So when I talk to my family, so many. So, um, um, but when I come back to Kuwait and I stay a month, and i visit so at the beginning it's really tough because my i feel my tongue really thick and and heavy it, yeah. but when i go back to the u.s the same thing happens like Seriously. it's so hard to speak like it's like there's this thing like the wires are crossed mm. or something that you you uh, uh to to go back and uh and, and speak properly yeah
0: my friends tell me that every time i go back to korea and then come back to the states they're like i you've got an accent oh, <laughs> oh
3: kuwaiti english yeah i'm
0: like give me a week give me two weeks i'll be back again yeah because like also like
1: it's personality wise like do you guys feel like your your personality is different when you speak different languages like like okay for me and i say this a lot to my friends like that uh i speak english with i tell them like okay when i speak arabic i feel like i'm way shyer like i'm way like uh maybe because i'm less confident in with my arabic but i become like this like this, like, especially when I talk to kind of a people of authority, professors. professors, whatever, I suddenly become like, you know, this like little girl. Because I feel like I never matured in Arabic the way I did in English. Like, in English, because all my education has been in, in English, That's, like, yeah. I have access to all this vocabulary and, like, all this kind of, you know, even ability to see the world. And then, mm-hmm. as soon as I put on the Arabic cap, I feel like my I have access to, like, just my family experiences. And so, there, I like feel like I play a
3: certain role. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting if you look at language studies. Um, some terms can be found in English that aren't found in Arabic, and a lot of um, li- linguists uh, who study history they say that well, uh, when 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 people invent a word, it's because they've experienced that emotion, and when when that emotion is experienced at such a such a large wide wide level, there needs to be word for it. Yeah. So that's why I feel, uh, personally, I think in both. Um, because formally i mean in, in my early school years i was in english and but in arabic i mean in my house i was forced to speak arabic and we had a rule in, in our house cuz we were all in, in american schools my parents they lived for 20 years in the states they came back and um, but they had a very very serious uh, line that was drawn in the home you know once you hmm. once you step inside the home you're going to speak arabic yes and then on the last basically <laughs> yeah. you know? wow. Don't don't think that you're any smarter because you can use some English terms. And I think that, for me, is the thing I love the most. And I, I, looking back, I actually like that because it, mm. it really drilled this idea. My, in yeah, sense. my
2: dad was like that too. You had to speak Arabic at the house. Even when we were in school in the U.S. when I was a kid. In in the house, it's Arabic.
1: Something that you said really interested me, Ibrahim. When you spoke English, they were like, So why do you think English is considered this thing that's intelligent
3: <sighs> because it's the language of science, it's the language of, 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 of countries that are currently leading the world. And well it wasn't always the case, but it currently is the case. And I think languages, they, they go up, they go down. I mean if you look at Arabic as a language, nobody really spoke Arabic. If you want to talk about historically before Islam, pre Islam period, Mainly limited to the Arab peninsula, Arabic peninsula. But with the yeah, advent of Islam, Islam started spreading and when you have a, a religion in that language that's, that's spreading. So that's like the, the biggest medium and vessel for a for language. Yeah. Uh, so if you, for example, Egypt, when a uh, historical figure, when he went to Egypt, nobody spoke Arabic in Egypt mm. at all. Nobody spoke Arabic. They spoke Coptic. And with time, you know, with the, with the changing institutions, and you have these institutions that are run by Arabs from Arab peninsula, and they say, well, if you want to work in the government, you have to learn Arabic. So that means better jobs, better job security uh, more more chances in the market, and that's what's happening today so if you speak English, you can actually progress with your with your job
2: you know for me also like uh, uh i unfortunately like same I have the same problem with you, theorem like my arabic i'm it's getting better I'm just starting to read more in Arabic right now, but still when it comes to a business setting like there's a lot of words that I don't know what to what to use uh, so but uh, I'm, I'm getting better but you know there's an interesting uh observation today today my uh my youngest daughter she, she graduated from kindergarten thank you so it's it's hilarious you know so so but i was there and um and the speech of the principal was in classical arabic and then they had the kids do a little play that is also in classical arabic and i don't know why i got upset just listening to that uh, it made me think like so I, I have a question for you like i know in english or in arabic sorry sorry in english the language that is spoken is the language that is written. In uh, Spain, like Spanish, I think it's the same. Like uh, uh, what they write is how they speak. Uh, you don't see an English person speak in um, in uh, uh, like Shakespearean English. It's that's really old. Why do we have to speak this old language? And isn't that are we tied to the past? I don't know. This is just like a, an observation that I had. Why are we looking back when we our language is actually Kuwaiti? It's not Arabic anymore. It's a it's a, languages evolve, and this is the language. So why are we tied into I that? I sense that
1: there's this like sentiment that Kuwaiti Arabic doesn't feel as like legitimate, in turn, like academically or whatever, as as classical Arabic. And I wonder why that is. Like even like Egyptian Arabic versus Fusha or whatever versus like yeah. when. Like, even when you learn Arabic abroad... Like, I have friends who, like, try to learn Arabic. They teach them, like, fusha, but depending on who their teacher is, they learn the lahja, like... Yeah, a or. But, it, or, or, but it, like
2: if you study English, like there's this old English language, art thou, and but nobody uses it. Exactly. And then nobody you, writes you in it either. learn there's a
1: literature, but you don't learn Correct. those. So
2: why in, should like, we? English. That's the thing. It's true,
0: because I'm like, I struggle with that. I really do, because like when I speak Arabic, it's Kuwaiti Arabic. But then when I want to a um, kitab or some ministry, I have to start thinking not in Kuwaiti Arabic. And I'm like, how can I say the sentence? Not in a like in a in a Fusha language, and and it's very hard. I would have to like talk to the secretary that is there or someone someone else that's very good in Arabic to actually help me just form a sentence. So and like I took Arabic in high school, but don't really
2: yeah. remember. That's my lowest <laughs> grade, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have an explanation for that. Actually, I yeah. I think
3: um, because if you want to look at language, you have to look at religion. If you're looking at this region, and Unlike other uh, holy books if you want to call them, um, Muslims consider the Quran to be the word of God yeah. right so this is God talking and if God's talking, I better understand what what, what he's saying right um, so I think a lot of the I mean the classical Arabic that's been preserved is the classical Arabic of the Quran not really the classical Arabic of the Jahli. if you read the you won't understand so thing I mean if you want to look at the previous so yes Languages, they evolved, but I think Arabic really, really just pulled the brakes when, when Islam came around because people were like, okay, but we need to preserve this classical form. But, uh, Brahim, isn't,
2: like, uh, isn't the Arabic, like, um the language of the Quran, it's different than the language? It's like there's still, like, there's some grammars that is just for the Quran, so it's it's yes. special case. And also Maybe the somewhere. Bible, the Bible has its own language than what is currently used today. And and yeah, back. yeah, I, I understand that. But
3: like back, when you know.
1: when you pick up like a Bible from like a like a store and you read it, it's I find like I'm surprised all the time of just like how easy it is to like understand. <laughs> like, yeah. and I and I'm sure it's because like over time they've like modified and like I think you're right. Like in with Arabic and the Quran, it's been preserved like so and so yeah. particularly that like. There yeah. is this disconnect of how we speak yeah. now. And, um...
2: Yeah, but it's, it's just an observation. I think we should still learn the Arabic. But what, uh, like, I, I don't know any other language that does that, yeah. where they speak something and then they actually write something else completely. Do you th-
1: do you think we should learn like Kuwaiti Arabic in school and then perhaps sacrifice being able to understand like Egyptian Arabic, like Palestinian
2: well, we, Arabic? we, we will all, like uh, because of media and all, we will learn that yeah. stuff anyways because you're like. We under, like we don't understand uh, Moroccan Because they uh, they mix fr- French or, but, And we don't see it on our TV a lot But if it's on our TV and uh, we consume their media We'll understand it Just like they actually understand Kuwaiti Because they watch a lot of Kuwaiti shows, Kuwaiti mm. artists And,
1: and okay, yeah. so I'm curious so, so there's this So Ataturk, like the, I don't know, I guess The Turkish. last Turkish Like yeah. he was, like the, he was the first of, democratically elected this, yes. um, So he was He was the one that kind of Is the separation between like Turkey previously and Turkey now, right? And Turkey now is like is kind of this more of like a republic. But what's interesting is one of the first things he did was so in Turkish they used to write like like Arabic. They used to write similar to like how Persian and Arabic like they used to write the same letter, the same alphabet. But he especially at the time was associated kind of modernity civilization with the west and so he instated that every like the turkish language that we know today which is it has kind of these more like latin letters is this new thing so for so he made almost everyone at the time illiterate for a certain number of years for the sake of this kind of perceived future of modernity where he wanted turkey to write more similarly to the west than to what he thought was the past which is like the east the arabs so what what do you guys think of that do you think
2: I think we should stick with our own alphabet and our own language but i think it's um um like language is a form of communication and um if if i want to communicate in the way that people can understand it and as soon as you speak classical arabic i'm passed out like and everybody like yeah. they think it's a religious lecture i don't know it's it just it doesn't stick but if you speak their language their people are a lot more engaged so I think we should, like, uh, I, I don't know why, but I think, like, we should, especially speeches, if you want something to be uh, effective, you have to speak the language that people understand. Mm. As soon as you speak, like, this classical, sometimes it's like you're you're speaking down to them because a lot of them don't even understand and they don't know the grammars and, and neither do I. And...
1: Yeah, and <laughs> that's why you are thinking. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I was upset. I don't know why, because it, yeah. it just, like, I I started thinking about it. Like, wow, oh, this is interesting. Are we just really married to the past we don't really look at the future or the present and we're just holding on to this thing
1: like the reason i brought it up is because i think that's quite sad what he did like i don't know if it's actually like i think like i think naturally it's kind of already happening though with our youth because as soon as like and i don't know if you guys also observed this but like with when everyone started having mobiles that's when the Arab language came about. Right. And so, like, because especially like the early early iterations of cell phones, there was no Arabic
2: letters, keyboard. Yes, yes. And
1: so everyone wrote Arabic words with numbers. English letters, letters and yeah. numbers. And, like, some young people are more capable of writing in Arab than they are of writing, like, normal...
2: Actually, I am these
0: guilty of that,
2: that. I am, I am yeah, so guilty with that. I'm guilty of that myself. Like, I can't, like, on the keyboard, I try, but I, it's really hard for me to type. And so I use the, there's a website that will just... yummy. Uh, yummy, yeah, I love yeah, it. I, I
1: seriously <laughs> use yummy <Yami> so much. <laughs> so is this, is our language dying? Like, is our, is our language...
2: Brahim is giving us a weird yeah. look right now. <laughs> what do you think? Taking, uh, taking
1: notes. What do you think of Brahim?
3: Uh, no, I don't think our language is dying. Um, I think that languages are evolving and it's just normal for languages to evolve. I remember attending a little conference that was like maybe 10 years ago. They were talking about world identity. They were saying, this was in Kuwait, huh? And a bunch of Kuwaitis were saying, a bunch of like intellectuals. And they were like, we're approaching a global identity. We have to face the fact that in the future, down the line, maybe 50, 100 years, you never know. But the world will, the, the cultures, cultures in the world will eventually start to uh, dissolve into each other. And, you know, if you look at the number of cultures in the world now compared to maybe a hundred years before, we have less cultural diversity in the world. So cultures do disappear and the languages do disappear. So I think that Eng- Arabic won't disappear. It will definitely change, I think, with time. We have words now in classical Arabic that have that did not exist. The uh, internet, مثلا, did not exist. It used to be an kabutiyah when it first came out. Like, shabaka'an wow. kabutiyah, you know? <laughs> no an internet
0: but speaking of the west um, what role do you think the west is currently playing in like the development in Kuwait like with all uh, the media and startups and all of that that's happening here in Kuwait like do you think the west has a role on what's happening are we kind of like competing because like for me like when I came back from the states it's very hard because like even the jobs that i've been working i haven't been getting a challenge like even the projects and stuff i want a bigger challenge um so i compare myself like to the west and the work that i do and just all the publications and that like from the west so i guess i don't know how does that kind of um like the development, like the future of Kuwait, where is it going? Is it having its own kind of identity or is it just copying the West?
2: Um, I think definitely we have our, we have, uh, I, I think there's two sides or multiple sides we're pulling. We, 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 um, we do have a lot of people that are studying abroad all over the world and they're coming back and bringing a lot of the things that they learn and a lot of the practices, that, just like you, like Reem, uh, myself working and coming back here and applying it. Now, um, are we affected? Absolutely. Like, uh, look at what we consume, our food, our clothing, our ideas, our thinking, our like books. Everything is coming from outside. Like, there's a very few. I'm so happy that there's some podcasts now in Kuwait. But even the podcast, anything that you consume is coming from outside, whether it's West or, or, or not West. So um, definitely, we're, um, we're affected. And th- the issue that I see is uh, sometimes we take these ideas that uh, come from a different place and we try to, we we, we look down upon our situation and mm. that's not a good place. I, I don't like that. You know, um, uh, I think there is uh, no matter how bad our situation is, we have to know where we come from to know where we're going. There's a really good book uh, by uh, a guy, a Persian guy who passed, uh, di- it was uh, died in 77, a long time ago. His name is Ali Shariati. He has like he's only 43 when he died, but he published 150 books plus. So amazing, nice. amazing stuff. So one of his books, uh, the it's uh, translated in Arabic. I'm, there's a bunch of translated in English. Was the uh, the responsibility of intellectuals, and I love this analogy. He says, you know, uh, uh, Reem, we talk about this is he believes that culture and civilization cannot be imported or exported. So you cannot bring things from outside and and expect them to work here. Um, uh, So uh, also like uh, he, he gives an example. He's like, if you have a certain plant that grows up in Europe, it needs a certain climate. It needs some uh, um, uh, like the habitat is different than what we have here. So if you just bring it here and import it and plant it in Kuwait, it's going to die. Now your, your option is you can keep buying them and they will keep dying. Or you can focus on some of the things that actually is native to here and grow it from here. Mm. So one of the things he mentions, which is I didn't think about this before. He talks about the um, uh, pre-Islam. There is the there is the Arabs, which is just a bunch of nomads, Bedouins and things like that. They're they're all uh, they're 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 not a power at all. And then there is the uh, Persians and the Romans. Those are strong powers. And one of the strengths of, uh, like, uh, when uh, the Prophet Muhammad came, he didn't, he didn't bring, uh, he didn't copy anything from them. Yeah. Everything started from there. Yeah. Uh, like the, like the knowledge and everything. And that's why it's so powerful. It's just sort of like, same thing with the Chinese, any civilization that made a difference. It started internally. They didn't uh, just copy from Outside now, there's a lot of practice that we can take. Uh, yeah, I think
3: if I can add. I think the the issue is, you know, it's I love the fact that so many people go abroad and bring so many great ideas back home. But I mean, just as important, I think it's just as important to have that intellectual humility when you come back Absolutely. to where to the culture where, where you're from, and not ah, this is so backward? Eh? People know where the flaws are, right? People know that we're in the 21st century, it's 2019, you know, you you see everything on TV, this isn't 1999. Well, even 1999 was... Hey, it was awesome. (laughs) This isn't 1990. (laughs) Let's go back. What I mean to say is, I think, more importantly, we need people who go abroad to come back, but also to be integrated into what's happening on the ground you know, not being there in their own little intellectual, uh, you know, let's let's all, you know what I mean? It's
0: so hard though. It's, it's hard, like, it's but like it needs reverse effort, culture right? shock. Like the yeah. first year and a half, I was like, I didn't even want to go outside my house. I didn't want to step out. I was like, you know what? I need to realize where I'm at, who I am, where I'm in, like where mm-hmm. I who I am in Kuwait, like with my family, with like what's going on in Kuwait and everything. So once you realize that, like and then you can actually like face the world and be like okay now i know who i am i'm not gonna have that ego or oh everyone is like like it's really bad here or whatever but you know that you say who story. i am
3: so you, you feel like going abroad changes the sense of who you are oh for sure your identity but, but no
2: i know i understand what you're saying so you feel like because i felt that too and um uh, before I had the humility, like uh, um, uh, you go and you you you're exposed to a lot and the, the the technology and all these different things, and then you look down upon our culture, down upon our uh, ideas and and books and, and and so when I came back, you know I I, I have a mentor in in the U S and. A lot of times when he talks, he always likes to bring stories of uh like bible or something like that and and into his in his business talk and that actually inspired me to read back in history in uh, our history and yeah. who and there's and actually even living today there are some amazing thinkers they are. they're they are. they're unbelievable so so the um uh, the current situation in our like every culture is they have times when they're going down and there's time when like Europe was not always the way it is. America was not always the way it is like, back then. So we just have to know that. And then also another thing that, um, that I dislike when, when, when people come from abroad and it's like, we should do it this way, and, and you guys are all wrong, you can't take somebody from like or 1880 and drag them to without them fighting their own fight. Okay. Like uh, America didn't uh, uh, like, or let's not talk about it, let's talk about French, uh, France. You know, um, uh, they didn't have democracy or their human rights in a, in a day. There was yes. wars that fought. And even after the French Revolution, it took like seven years before any of that effect took place. So um, I think what we need to to be proud of where you come from and start learning. There's so many good stuff here, learning about it and see why we do certain. Sometimes you'd be surprised like they actually that's a better way. You know, uh, but we come in some and i'm I'm guilty of that, you know yeah uh, I, I yeah, yeah. Totally
1: understand. and <laughs> and I think it's also an issue of access though, like even if I choose to I'm like, okay, I want to you know understand and search like about like what's valuable in Kuwait Kuwaiti history, Kuwaiti culture, there is this sometimes general romanticization of the West, and sometimes just by virtue of that, there's just a it's a lot easier to access Western content,
2: you know, I had the same issue coming back, I uh, actually, I remember this, uh, I was doing, I have a, a YouTube channel and I was doing a, um, a video and it was in Arabic, it was like some personal development, I don't know what it is. And then a friend of mine, she was not a friend at that time, she sent me a message and she's like, please, Ali, read Arabic because she can tell that I'm stuck with words. My problem that I had or the issue that I had is like, for example, English, it's easy. You can go on Amazon, you can see recommended and there's, there's stuff like that. But in Arabic, there, there, I, I couldn't find a lot, and especially when I first came back to Kuwait, I didn't have access to all that stuff uh, or to know. But now, you develop people that are like you, that that are readers, and then, and then I started getting recommendations from different people. Now I can see, and and an, like, uh, like there's different authors that sometimes I read, and I'm just shocked of how deep their thoughts are. Uh, I think. Um, There's a lot, so you just like practice, you just start reading, and then uh, you will get you'll improve. But the, the, I'm humbled of how great thinkers are there, that we have in our y- culture you, that are currently alive.
1: You yeah. mentioned you mentioned before this quote or this guy that uh, in Sakal Bamboo, yes, where they yeah, can you talk about that again? Yes, like, so, I think he's a Filipino, yes. Um, so, so
2: basically, um, um, I remember uh, this is like nine 2012. Or two thousand and thirteen, I, I had just come back from the Philippines. I, I fell from a waterfall, broke my knee in four pieces, mm-hmm. and at the hospital, my uh, my uh, my uh, my cousin gave me Sāql Bamboo, like a bamboo stock, by Sūdīs sanousi So I just read it. I loved the book, and I was like, it's the first uh, Kuwaiti book that I read after coming back, and I was I was really impressed with the writing and the story. But one of the things that is in the book that I love the the, the story happens between Philippines and Kuwait. And so he quoted a lot this guy named Jose Rizal. Jose Rizal is a a champion in the Philippines. He's the he wrote a novel which I actually I ended up reading to to learn a little bit about that. He wrote a novel that because of it, the Philippines was liberated from Spain. But he was like really particular about that. Even though Spanish was the language spoken, he wanted to write it in the native tongue. So he actually wrote it in Tagalog. And one of the 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 statements that he says, and this kind of like a kind of was a kick in the, in the in the in the stomach for me or in the gut was like to like a slap in the face he's like anybody who doesn't respect their own language doesn't de- deserve to be respected by anybody else so that kind of like that's a slap you know that's like okay now i have to read a little bit more and and really understand our culture I, I send you this video. There's a really good video online on YouTube. It's called "War," sorry, uh, "East versus West Cultural Difference" or something like that. If you maybe you can put the link on the on the podcast, and that was shocking to watch it. And uh, so so they actually compare like Eastern countries like Japan, uh, Korea, China with Western countries like England and U.S. And they give them the same picture, and 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 what they see is completely different. And you're, it's, it's like, and when you're, when you're watching it, you can answer the questions yourself, and you can see, are you more Western or are you? So just by the language that you speak, you actually see the world different. So somebody who speaks like Chinese sees a different reality than somebody who speaks English or speaks Arabic, which is, I don't yeah, know, that and was I really mean, interesting. I
1: didn't this video, and it's interesting. So an example of something. I mean, to just catch you guys up a little. So, like, for example, uh, I'd show you a picture right now of like a bird flying. Okay. okay. And then uh, I would ask you what's happening in this picture. Or I think they talked about, sorry, a balloon, a balloon. So like I would put a balloon and it's like floating, right? Um, So if you're from the West, you'd say, oh, it has like helium. Like it's like something internal is happening inside this balloon that's allowing it to go. Whereas someone from the East would say a wind, like a a gust of wind is the one that is what like pushed it. And so the idea is like, uh, and this video is like fantastic because it has all these different examples, and and it is interesting because they go around the street and they ask different people, and it's and it's fascinating to hear that okay, there is this uh, tendency for more I guess quote unquote Western minded people to say like it's coming from this individual aspect, yeah, yeah we're it's, versus like it's coming from the space they're in or the community they're in. And-
2: the, I don't know. I'm sure you know about this the uh, the Janissaries. Do you know what the mm-hmm. Janissaries are? Okay, so th- this is what I now. Uh, when you s- talk about being humble and uh, and have humility, I completely agree with you. And especially if you want to make a change, you have to speak the local language. If you want to get people to understand, and you want to get like like to really elevate, we have to speak our own language. That's really really important because even if you speak like a, if you bring anybody to an- another culture. It has to be somebody from within to make things happen. It cannot be except Jose Rizal to to do that. If somebody else did that, it will not work. It has to be somebody that you know from your neighborhood that 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 makes has a much bigger mm. impact. But uh, um, the the Janissaries. So this is uh, in the Ottoman Empire. Um, they used to like the Ottomans. They used to kidnap Christian boys, and uh, um, they would train them. As if they're uh, like in like since they're kids, they teach them everything. They're loyal to the Sultan and that's all they do. And they actually fight the Christians with them. But these kids are brainwashed with what the Sultan teaches them. So so one of the things that you think about is and this happens in a lot of places, too. Like, for example, um, uh, uh, people go to study abroad and they're brainwashed into a certain way. And they come to a country and they 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 implement exactly what they learned, which is they're making a market for that. Do you know what I'm saying? That's uh, that's uh, scary. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I just I just find I just find it interesting because I feel like I mean, I mean, there's there's so much potential, uh, to, so many things to learn about about even if you just want to focus on Arabic culture, the different the diversity within Arabic culture. Uh-huh when you talked about Arabic language and, and, and dialects, the differences between dialects, where those words come from. Yeah. I mean, it's like, just all you need is a little bit of curiosity and a bit of humility. That's all you need, I feel. And it takes practice. you got to put yourself out there. You're not going to learn it. You can learn a lot, of course, by reading, but you really have to put yourself out there and you have to become, you have to talk to the people. You have to get to understand what they're feeling, what they're going through. Um, because... People experience life differently. We have to accept that. And and the Arabs, they're a very proud people. They're a very proud people. Probably I don't know about the Philippines, but I mean, Arabs are always going on about we refuse, uh, you know, occupation. We are not, you know. Uh, I mean, the colonizers didn't last much in uh, the Arab world. They didn't spend a lot of time. But this is the thing. I mean, we have to really understand that before approaching someone with a new idea. Maybe you you brought from abroad. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, you. Say you have to. It has to be homegrown.
2: But colonization okay. is a different way right now. It's not like it's still there's colonization, it's but it's okay. a different way. Yeah. Like I understand people for are example
3: still very resistant. I mean, maybe they have changed, but I mean people are still very proud of who I mean, Arabs in general.
2: Yeah, but if you go to the market, are, you're you're right. If you go to the like to see our youth, they're totally like most of them, they're very westernized. They're they're like Yeah, yeah. So so we have that. That that thing is uh uh, we're um, uh, the 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 young generation is not listening to the old one anymore, you know, uh, because the uh, uh, the way of thinking and and like I uh, uh, I know like uh, when you tell somebody you can't do this and just don't do it haram or whatever I, I'm, I'm not talk about religion but uh, that doesn't work anymore. You have to give them a reason why we do something. For example, when my uh, daughter says why do we do this, I say why do you think? So I I want her to arrive to the reason she gets it so it's she she knows why that that is but if you just tell me you can't do it you know what i'm gonna go read about it on google and i'm maybe the source that i find is not the right one but that's what i my impression or that my understanding will be
3: i agree i just want to add something but what i meant by the arab world i meant like the entire arab region the gcc is more open to west uh western and english speaking uh, uh culture than other arab countries if you go to egypt and you start speaking english to the average egyptian they'd be like who the hell you think you are in kuwait it's become more acceptable and probably it's more accepted after uh, U- u.s uh, presence in kuwait after the gulf war i mean nobody uh, and, uh, yeah
1: and maybe it is because of the market and how we perhaps unknowingly have become kind of as arundhati roy would talk about like these foot soldiers of u.s expansion like no. US imperialist you know I,
2: just when you say that like i'm i'm thinking about for example i'm sure you guys have been Ger- to germany how many people speak english they know it, but they will not speak to you in
1: berlin they do but not they, they will speak, speak their germany, own yeah.
2: language so so um uh, this is
0: france
2: yeah so so um the 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 thing is how uh, it's a good question is how to get the youth like that come in to respect that language and if we we're not progressing, if we're not growing, if we're not, they're going to look at someone, someplace else.
3: You see the opposite way around. You know, you have people who were in the Americani hospital, which is the first hospital in Kuwait,
2: who were actually American
3: missionaries. And they came here to Kuwait. And the, the main goal was to convert the Kuwaiti population to, to Christianity. But really what happened was all of them, they started speaking fluent Kuwaiti after <laughs> being here for 20, 30 years. And they were actually buried in in Sadeghat. Uh, they were buried in Kuwait. Wow. They didn't leave. And, and if you, if you, there was an interview, if you ever visit the Americani Hospital, the museum, there's an interview with one of the sons of the doctors who were there. And he speaks wow. Kuwait yasmini.
2: Wow. wow.
3: <laughs> but it's interesting to see how someone who isn't really from this culture had the intellectual humility yeah. to come all the way to Kuwait at a time where Kuwait literally had nothing and really sat down. We got, you know, became got one-to-one conversations you know, with people. You know, was, the interesting
2: so. with that is, is uh, unfortunately, the people who look for that usually are not the people that are born here are people that are coming from the West. They're actually interested in culture. There's a difference. They go usually in opposite direction. You can have civilization. the the higher the civilization, the lower the culture. And so the higher the culture, the the lower the civilization. So it's, Mm. so, so um, uh, usually this is what I, like, I, I love places that have a lot of culture when I want to travel. I don't think about Europe and I don't want to go there. I want to go to, Oman, I want to go to India. I want to go to these places that are like, uh, I don't want to see all these uh, franchises. I don't want, I want to, I don't want to. Does that make sense? Oh, That's interesting. Yes. <laughs> but, but I find this is the interesting point that I find that people that are like from the West that are educated, they also go east when they want to go uh, search for a child. But for us, I don't know, maybe we think less of ourselves. We always look for. Buildings and and technology and that's for us as progress. Even when people come to Kuwait, I've heard this. Um, they say, "Oh, um, give them a cultural tour or tourism, which is the Avenues Mall."
1: <laughs>
2: so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's true. You're loving about and it. They're, and that. they're like
1: opening hotels in the Avenue yeah. so that like like these like fancy I Westerners know. can come and never even have to. Leave I always take people
3: to the. the avenue I love that exactly. And there's a guy that lived in the. And I met him the other day. He's been working there for maybe forty, fifty years, and he claims he told me there are eleven families in Kuwait, and these are the only Kuwaiti families. And I didn't, I didn't have the courage to ask him who these families are. <laughs> <laughs> the, the
0: thing is, like um, once, like I came back to Kuwait, I was very interested in not just the Kuwaiti culture and learning, relearning it again, but also the subculture that's in Kuwait. You've got because let's be real, we're what four million, and like three three million of us are not even kuwaiti so you've got the indians you've got egyptians you've got like so many different like countries and um nationalities and cultures here so um like the places that i would go to are just like it's like those restaurants that no one goes to like they're not even really nice from the inside but the food is so authentic and so good so um no one talks about those Yeah, like,
2: but you cultures. go to that but if yeah. you talk to your friends or people uh, a lot don't. of time they will they oh, I don't want to go to this place <laughs> because they they just because it's not fancy or it's not yeah. uh, uh um, flashy they, yeah. they 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 think it's less than.
0: I mean, Anud here has never had of bediana falafel and she's been living in Kuwait her entire life. Like, yeah. <laughs> I get
1: it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean it's, it is interesting because do we critically Think about what we're consuming.
3: Yeah, I want to bring in the documentary actually. Into okay.
1: The talk. Yeah, can you talk because, about? Can I you feel, talk about it?
3: Because I feel like I mean I've, I feel like there's so much to touch upon that documentary. So we're talking about the West and the and I feel like which um, documentary, by the way, the, docu- the um, Pro documentary that was done. It was a Dutch documentary. Okay, it was okay. done About Kuwait. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And okay. Okay. It really caused uh, a mean, big uh... big <laughs> deal with a lot of people. And they started we'll put the link
1: in our show notes. Yeah. as well.
3: And, you know, I feel, and I'm being very honest and very blunt here, I feel like the reaction was very exaggerated. I feel like the reaction towards what was being said, um, this is a big uh, colonialistic uh, view of Kuwait. You know, a lot of what was being said is actually has been said by Kuwaitis long time ago, long time ago, even the criticism of the hijab. It's really nothing new. If you look at uh, female activists I mean we had female activists in Kuwait since the 70s they, they, they freaking burned the abaya in front of them and you're talking about people who have been so in touch and and they've been open to, to world cultures ever since the 60s and 70s but this isn't something new I feel like the reaction was mainly due to a transformation that's happening in Kuwait regarding how we dress and how we uh, appear so I don't know your thoughts I- about that.
0: <laughs> um, you know what's funny about that dress uh, code uh, today I was looking at the mm-hmm. um on my Instagram and the issue that they have this thing about Jamaican Kuwait and how they're getting really even more stricter of like what girls are wearing there I go to to i like every single day and 70 percent of everyone that is there like is in abaya and like mm-hmm. and um i don't know what they're talking about really like i like and even the documentary by the way um all of those videos and all of those clips were in Kuwait university t- mm-hmm. taking those clips of like people uh wearing abaya hijab and all of that and i mean it's kind of like a Free will, I guess. It's free will,
3: but I yeah. think it's more complicated. If I just say, I think it's more complicated than that, and it's easy to say in the Kuwaitis, you know, like she talks yeah. about the niqab, right? Yeah. In a Kuwaitis, we all know in
1: a Kuwaitis. Can you say what happened in the documentary?
3: Yeah. So she basically said, um, when I was in high, she was saying when she was in high school, uh, none of the people with her used to wear the hijab. Yeah. and that when she sees people dressed from black from head to toe, it scares her. Doesn't that scare you? She said that. And so say, I will say this is nothing new. People say that all the time in Kuwait. This isn't really a, people who, who believe what she believes. But I don't see like this is. I don't feel like this is some kind of Dutch propaganda trying to shake things up. Um, but also, I think it's important to understand the the complexity of this issue. Not everyone, if you want to talk about niqab, not everyone who wears niqab is wearing it for religious reasons. Some people wear it for traditional reasons. Kuwait is composed of so many so many uh, traditions and cultures within Kuwaiti culture. You know, you have, yeah, you could go endlessly in the hadar al-badu. Within al-badu, you have different different types, and within al-hadar, you have so many different types. But, but even the concept of niqab, you can't generalize why people wear it. If it scares her, well, but that's her. That's right. So that's
2: now, I am all for uh, freedom of choice, freedom of dress, and what you want to wear. Is, and I think our strength is not that we're all the same, our strength is that we can be diverse and we'll still be okay. Like I like uh, all these people sometimes they fight the, the different denomination or different family, but you know what uh, like the reason America is the best is they figured out I'm how the to no. the, uh, <laughs> they, well well, well, like well, <laughs> well, well they are a hub for intellectuals all over the world getting them in and they like they give them their uh their uh, citizenship they if you come and work here they give them a a, a dream that they fall. and so they the, and these people can live they they are complete like in other places of the world they might be fighting but there they work together and they learn how to like put the differences aside and and that's instead of it being a weakness is actually a strength but that said i was uh, I, i'm i'm not a expert on this but it's just interesting today about the niqab i was reading on uh the news, and you know about the issue that happened in Sri Lanka. So they actually just issued a law, I think today or yesterday, banning niqab in Sri Lanka for safety reasons because there was a like bombing and stuff like that that happened. Yeah. But
1: even though the bombing was of churches,
2: yeah, I I don't actually don't know the story behind it, who bombed, but right. I I don't know if somebody with a niqab was uh, was oh, uh, is involved. Yeah, mm, I yeah. Think so. Well, I mean, yeah.
1: there might be just religious tension in general then, because uh, I think in Sri Lanka it was. It was an Easter, and it was a group of churches that were bombed yeah. by by um, Muslim extremists. But that's like
3: the thing, you have you have a change in culture. When you look at the younger generations, um, people are changing their their beliefs. People are less they're less uh, religious in the sense of organized religion, and maybe. But there's
1: still spirituality a lot spirituality for a lot of them.
3: Definitely there, and that's what that's what we have to juggle mental health, right? We have to juggle well what works for you. Let's
1: work with that. Mm-mm. And I mean, I want to talk about the documentary real quick. Because I know, like, even I, when I talked about it with Hessa, like, there is this uh undertone that we felt of, like, okay, this is, like, some National yeah. Geographic kind of specimen where we, as the, this Dutch company, are looking at these kind of... Even the music they chose, like, the super orientalist and, like, weird. And it's just, like, ooh, look at this tribal-thinking people. And I think what I didn't appreciate, like, and I, and I think there is power in in challenging the status quo right but i think we have to be cognizant of who we're talking to and for what purpose because sometimes we might be fighting for the wrong team without realizing like in like i want kuwait to progress but i don't want it to feel like the west is deciding for me what Absolutely. my values and morals are
2: you know um I completely agree with you, and I and I dislike when there's an undertone of uh, of uh, looking down on. Uh, I, I don't like that, and that's not a place to grow. Like, yes, we might have problems, but we can. Uh, I mentioned this before, but I want to I want to I wanna share this. Um, in college, I, I think I might have graduated. I read this book called "In Search of Islamic Feminism," and um, interesting book. So uh, the author, uh, she went to. She's actually a, a professor at uh, Austin U. And uh, if you read the um, the table of contents, interesting, like where she goes, she actually goes and searches. She goes to like a lot of Arabic countries, including Saudi. And she actually went to Kuwait like briefly. And so uh, it's interesting to read that book. But in the book, when she's in Egypt, this is like in the 90s. And I remember this because I remember seeing this all on talk shows and all that stuff. There was an effort by the Egyptian people. To um educate the farmers and the uh, uh the 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 like uh Saeed about the dangers of uh female circumcision. And they were actually because that's a cultural practice, it's not a, a religious practice or anything, but uh people were doing it. But these uh, this 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 group were actually getting successful. They were able to educate and and stop it and and but during that time the media got hold of the story and it was all over talk shows and everybody. And now it's somebody from outside telling them what to do. And all of a sudden, this effort completely closed down. Nobody likes to, if you have a child, no matter what, you, you don't like somebody from outside to tell you how to raise your children. Uh, that, that's a, a, a they, it has to be organic. It has to be coming from within. That's how I feel about it.
0: That's true. And that's how I felt when I saw the, the documentary. I was like, like you said, the volume, its not new news. It's nothing new. It's old. It's, its everyone thinks about it. It's just the way that they kind of presented it. They could have presented it better, you know. Um, and like the choice of words, like it, like there's subtle things that you can kind of change that people wouldn't have that kind of reaction, you know. Um, it's interesting though
3: yeah. that it's—it's. It's, I mean, for me, I, I wasn't insulted at all because. It's a Dutch documentary filmed in Kuwait, but really for, I mean, foreign consumers and causing an uproar in Arabic society. So what I mean is, imagine I did a an Arabic documentary about life in a rural village in France. I don't think the French would really care about my documentary. So... Just an opinion, just a but thought. But a lot of
2: people in I Kuwait, they feel. they share that that uh, that that thought. You know that they, they think like that too.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I feel like this is more of a reaction that that happened. Wasn't really re- a reaction towards, uh, well, uh, how dare you, Dutch people, do something like this about us? I think it's more of a, who are we? And
1: yeah, I think what like do we value this kind of. And, uh, yeah criticism and growth is is ultimately beneficial for like getting people to think and talk and decide what do we want but i do think as we're thinking about this and as documentaries are coming out we have to be aware that there's two global conversations happening so there's a conversation happening in the west where there is a large diaspora of muslim immigrants arab immigrants and there is this fear this tension of like Muslim extremism is Islam compatible with modernity, and it is entrenched in racism, in xenophobia, and Islamophobia, where people are using traditional and like very like Orientalist view of us of Islam in the Arab world to exclude migrants and to exclude marginalized communities. There, here it's a whole other conversation. Here, there are people who let's say are against niqab but they want another kind of liberation mm-hmm. you know but the problem is if you have a debate about niqab in Kuwait with muslims it should be different than a, a debate about niqab in the west cuz in the west there are niqabis who are fighting for their right to wear it and because they feel like their entire livelihood is being threatened so they hold tighter onto this yeah. abstract idea of what their of what islam is and how it manifests because they want to be visibly present in a space that is trying to erase them. Whereas here, when someone says we don't want niqab, it's another conversation, I think.
3: It's I agree with you 100%. And I think it's easy to, to, to confuse between Muslim and Arab. And the issues that happen here are mainly Arab. They are, they are. We are Muslim, but I mean, the majority is Muslim. We have a lot of Christians here. We have 200 Christians in Kuwait, families that are originally founders of Kuwait. But the issues are mainly Arab. And we have to confront that. We have to accept that. I was doing a literature review about mental health in the Arab world. And I realized, you know, a lot of people like to group things together. You know, there was a claim in one of the journal articles that uh, Islam is the region, reason for rising depression rates in women in the Arab region. And I was like, I mean, even without going in depth, and really that, that can't be proven, but I mean, how could you go as far as to say such a claim? I mean, Islam in itself, it's so huge. It has morphed so many times. <laughs> يعني, it's not one. Yeah. yeah,
2: I agree with you. But, but the, the, like the youth, they have this view also. Like the, Unfortunately. It's, it's a yeah.
3: self-depreciating idea. So, so
2: what I see, yeah. like even like you mentioned it earlier about uh, religion and people are, like, especially the youth, they have an identity crisis or they're yeah. not uh, yeah, uh, practicing. Uh, I, for example, if you walk into a cafe, this is how I see it right now. And you, there's a hundred people that are there. And let's say they're all Kuwaitis. There's a hundred different versions of Kuwait. If there's a hundred, there's a hundred different versions of Muslim. Like, for example, Reem, when you go, if your friends in the U.S., they know only you. They think all of Kuwait is like you. But that's yes. very far from reality. It's it's, yeah. it's not the situation. It, uh, it's not the situation or how it is. So the issue with how we look at, for example, if we're talking about religion or Islam. And and if I'm fighting it, a lot of times is the person that I learned it from. They didn't know anything, or the teacher was very uh, like, "This is how it is. You can't do this. You can't do that." And their understanding is very low. So that's the way of
3: thinking that's Arab. See, that's the thing. This is my point. And uh, the way this very concrete, top down, listen to what you're told. This is something related to our Arab culture. Maybe not so much related strictly to religion. Eh? Yeah, it's not about religion. Hey, but yeah, but I mean, I'm like, talking
2: about this is the current situation. Yeah, 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 this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. way it is. So yeah. when it comes to like, it's my way or the highway. And guess what? Children now and, and youth, they have other sources. They look outside. You don't want to give me the answer. You don't want to talk about this. I'm going to go find somebody, something else. And I'm going to go with it. That's
0: true.
2: And I mean, and there's like, I'm. that's why I'm happy about like podcasts like this so when they cannot find an answer locally they will just go outside and and now people just go outside right away they don't even think about here because nobody that's their impression everybody's like that just like everybody is kuwait is like cream that's their uh, impression
0: that's true even like with the documentary they say that um oh like the kuwaiti youth are very spoiled and they don't know what to do with their life because everything is given which i see is completely a misconception like a misconception cuz um i mean what is really given like why aren't they why are they focused on that kind of like why are they pigeonholing to that story where why don't they see what's actually happening in Kuwait there are so many different aspects that are happening um within like the media and like the businesses that we're doing um the the the, the activists Everything, like, I don't know. Um...
2: Uh, but I do see their point. You know, there's a, uh, there's, a, there's a guy I took classes with, a phenomenal, his name is Marshall Thurber. Mm-hmm. And um, so he uh, talks about uh, some of what Edward Demings did. Edward Demings uh, is a professor, uh, a U.S. professor that went to Japan after uh, the World War II and he made Toyota to what it is today. And so one of the things he talks about, this is he talks about in business, but this applies to cultures and things like that. He's like, if you look at any business and any fault of an employee, or actually their fault is only probably 94, sorry, uh, 6%. 94% is the processes and the the systems that you have in place. So it's the process and the system that produce that. For example, if, if somebody, uh, uh, one of the staff does something wrong, most of the time it's not the steps problem it's they they don't have the processes and the environment built that so for example there is a saying that says um, uh, if you go to like i hear it a lot in asia i'm not going to mention countries but they say you know what? the guys don't work uh, they're they're poor because they're lazy but actually it's the opposite they're lazy because they're poor it's the system that built that yeah. so so we like right now all of us, we we educated, we we studied, but that's not the average. Like that's not the so so we we're in an environment where we we are creating these people that are feel privileged and but you know what they're hardworking. They just they, they don't like if you if you meet with them and and they they meet with somebody who's inspiring. They want to do something. They just don't know how. That's true. So our education system, all that stuff, is it and doesn't do. You what... You
1: mentioned Toyota, and I think previously. You've told me about kind of like how there is this uh, emphasis in, in investing specifically in local, in local, like okay. in that company. Yes. Okay. Like, so
2: let me share with that. that. This is one of the things I think the future of Kuwait is locally. So it's it's not bringing an expert from outside. It's like it's it's up from here, art is from here, business from here. I don't like franchises. I love Kuwaiti concepts. I love Kuwaiti stuff because that's, I want our stuff to be franchised outside. That's how we, if we're getting it from, we're always a slave to someplace else. So there's a, a book I read. It's called, I, I got you the name, The Bad Samaritan uh, by Ha Jung Ch- uh, Ch- uh, Chang. He's a, a Korean author and, um, phenomenal book. He talks about the, the, uh, like the secret history of capitalism and things like that. And. And uh, so I I don't like this word free trade, um, you know. um, So he talks about he's like, you know, my son is eight years old. If I just tell him, hey, you know what, you're out of the house, I kick him out. He will probably survive. He will toughen up and he will find a way to get food and things like that. But guess what? He will never be a doctor. He will never be probably an engineer. He just won't be able to do that. So I have to keep supporting and supporting and supporting until he gets to the point where he can actually fend for himself. So all of these countries that speak free trade and, and uh, open markets, they didn't have free trade at the beginning. It's all they had high tariffs, because if you bring in something from outside, uh, all of a sudden you kill like the local business. So so like even in Toyota, Toyota at the beginning, even the Japanese, say, you know what? Forget about these. Let's just buy like from uh, from America. It's a lot cheaper. It's better. Our cars is are worthless. It doesn't make sense. But you know what? The Japanese government kept supporting and supporting and supporting to get Toyota to where it is today. Same thing with a lot of countries. You look at anybody who just open up right away and just bring everything from outside, they're in debt.
0: Yeah.
2: It's true. But anybody who focus on locally, they start to grow. They start to develop things internally, and that's the, the chance that we can... That's so crucial
1: yeah. to Kuwait, because yeah. I, I think we bring in so much so quick.
2: But we are taken out, too. By like, like, 93% of the population, I don't know what that number is, uh, close or work for the government, but uh, we talked about it before, is 7% are they really good. And right now, Kuwait, we're exporting technology. You have Talabat, you have Carriage, you have what I don't like. I mean, for me, I don't like that these companies are bought by outside companies.
1: Yeah, But but was just bought by Uber, so more global hegemony.
2: So, so, but, but the 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 good thing is we have great minds. We have people that that can do the the job, but we need more like. The future of Kuwait is local. It's like local businesses. So that's what I think the government should support. And they're actually doing that right now. They have the national fund. They're doing different things. I think even when people understand that, they will they will focus on that a lot more too.
0: See, one thing that I think I wish that Kuwait takes locally are the engineers and the architects that are here. There are so many um, engineers and so many architects that are only consulting projects because all of like the, the concept and the projects that are happening... is is from abroad from like global um architectural firms and companies so like even the students that like in architecture they they're they know that when they leave they have a government job ready for them and they're not even thinking about oh well projects that i'm going to be working on and stuff and this is what one of my struggles that i that i had when i came back to kuwait finding a job here nothing is like concept and stuff nothing is happening here in kuwait
2: yeah, but you know i have a, a like just a, a comment on that like um, since i was a kid i wanted to have a business and work for myself uh, but all of my family like uh, maybe a couple of family members have businesses so so i wasn't exposed to that i didn't have anybody i can learn from or anything like that so i learned all of that abroad and um so i i, I worked for myself 10 years before coming to kuwait now coming in, and this is I see it common. A lot of people they go study abroad. They're so excited. They want to come and change the system, and, and they're really excited. They want to do different things, but they go and work for the government. And within six months, they're like they're depressed because anything they do they, it doesn't work. And then but they come to us. And, and, <laughs> and then they come The Your business, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they come into they're uh, for like <laughs> mental issues. But, you know, um, the, the, I mean, the way I terrible. see it, the solution for us is not the government sector or the public sector, it's the private sector. So, 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 so that's the solution. So, I know from coming in, I can't do anything over there. If I'm going to do something, it has to be in the private sector. So, that's the key. And, you know what? I don't know any other country that is better in Kuwait to start your own business. Guess what? You can work a job in the government. You don't do anything. You can do all your research. You can do all your reading and all that stuff. At the time where you don't do anything, and in the afternoon, you can work. You can do all these different things. The problem is most people don't do it. They just waste it and they drink tea and khatayr and, uh, and all and these different I, things. I'm guilty of that. I'll
0: do my job. I have a deadline and I'll do it. But with my free time, um, I'm either literally um, reading like this textbook. Like my my coworker calls me a nerd because I like walk around with an architectural lighting design book, and um, and that's what I do. I like work on my freelancing. I don't know if I should say this yeah. on the podcast, but that's what I do with my free time. At but work. you're
2: actually helping the country by doing that. You're once yeah. you get your job outside, you build your business. You're lowering the cost for the government, and you're inspiring other people. That is the solution.
0: I hope so because there's not a lot of like lighting design firms in Kuwait and I'm hoping that I could like one day open my own lighting design firm. I think but there's this yeah. law in Kuwait that you can't have a government job and a business. Which Says who? Is annoying. No, you
2: can. Really? Yes. Okay. See, that's the thing is like, like when I was, uh, when I came I worked for the government too. and. Uh, Everybody's like, "You can't do this. You can't do this." And, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I just, I love it when people say you can't do anything. <laughs> I don't <laughs> talk to them anymore. I just keep doing yeah, it.
0: I just mute it out.
2: <laughs> don't listen to anybody. There's, you can do so much things.
1: Yeah, like yeah. decide who you get your advice from. We, we
2: opened cafe. Me and my brother, both of us had jobs. Okay. You know, uh, we're we're working uh, like we're, we're we go to the job and we come back to the cafe and and we we get it.
0: We need to talk yep. about this after this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, like these kind, like these kind of ideas, and this seven percent that you're talking about, like there is so much potential in that, and you even talking about it, like will encourage people to say, "Hey, I can do this." I can because I think there is this, there's this helplessness when people try to enter the government sector, and then they just become disillusioned with everything, and then their dream just becomes to either like travel. All the time, or just live abroad, and and there isn't this willingness to invest locally or to help
2: each other. A lot of times, people are like, oh, you know, I, I I was just talking to a friend about this. Uh, I think today or yesterday, you ever had this where somebody's like, you oh, know, I have this million dollar idea. <laughs> what is it? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they think it's the idea. So, like, we have this concept where we're always thinking about like a lottery mentality. I want a safqa. Like, I want this big project. I do it once. I make money. Exactly. And then I will never work for the rest of my life. I work and, for some people. <laughs> let's be honest. So, so, so it's, it's not like that. It's yeah. the process that you go through to get to the. the it's a
0: self-discipline it's a self-motivation it's the work that you do it's the work that you do when you're actually so you're feeling so down and not motivated and feeling stagnant and that's where you actually grow and that's where um like your work kind of progresses for you so it's not about like that's you said like you said it's not about the idea it's Mm -hmm. about the work behind the idea you know the
2: crazy part is uh the, the people that are not kuwaiti they're a lot more successful a lot of the times they work hard they're, they're in
0: kuwait in kuwait
1: yeah.
2: but that's not just in kuwait like in america if you're first generation or you're just immigrated your likelihood of becoming a millionaire is 400 percent more than an american born in america okay
0: so should
2: i go to america <laughs> <laughs> why, but why, is why that? do you
0: think that is
2: because um uh well uh, they, they, the people that come in, they left so much behind. They have families, responsibility. They have that. They so they have to make something happen. Mm-hmm. It's different when, like, when we come in, like somebody comes from like our neighboring countries. They're a hard worker. They're but we're not so just relax, and we don't like. And that's unfortunately that's the situation.
3: I, I want to add a point just on local, homegrown things. Um, maybe not related to business, but maybe related to medicine. And I feel like there needs to be more of an emphasis about. Uh, local training. And this was a point that we raised in psychiatry. Uh, we did not have a local training program for Kuwaiti psychiatrists. And um, it existed, but it had stopped for four or five years. And we kept asking, why is it stopping? Well, people aren't really interested. And when we got to the point across to the people that we managed to really restart it, started it up again, we realized this is so important. And you're talking about Mental health in Kuwait. This should be uh, a priority. And alhamdulillah, and it's becoming a priority. So, mub- Mubadarat like that, I believe, will change the face of, of healthcare in Kuwait. Absolutely. Really, because you're going to have a group of people who are being trained with people who, are, who live here from all kinds. I mean, we deal with in, in the Center for Mental Health and we get a lot of stigma and all that. Is right? nice. we do, we have, but we see all sorts of people who live here. We don't just see Kuwaitis, you know? So, you really get a sense of, wow, you know, when you first work here, like, all these people live in my country. Yeah, I
2: had no wow.
3: freaking idea, because we're all lost in our own little socio-economic group, our own, uh, you know, our own communities. I'm like, wow, all these people live here. So many stories. So many people come and go, and you're like, I never knew. and anyway, it's just, it's fascinating for me. Yeah, and I I'm th- hopeful. For the future.
1: I think that relates a lot to what both Ali and Hissa were saying, which is we need to begin to trust in our local knowledge as well. So like when we go and educate people abroad and et cetera, like trust their expertise and invest in that expertise and do what Japan did with Toyota and wait it out. Like keep but, investing But come up, come and, up
2: with a local But, but version. also like, yes, yeah? we have to trust it, but also our experts have to actually grow. You know, um, uh, there's this uh, thing I, I I sometimes talk, I, I train on it. It's called the value gap. Did we talk about this before? No. Value gap. So for example- um, if i'm a student under uh, uh, like me and let's say me and uh, Ibrahim we went to school together and we were both in medical school and let's say i graduated i became a professor before him let's say uh now Ibra- Ibrahim was like you know I know everything that Ali knows i'm not going to listen to him because we studied together we went to, we, there's no gap in value so there's no leadership for me to him but um if but if you talk to your current professor, like the person you studied, there's a huge gap, that gap, the, the wider the gap, the more the leadership. Mm. So if I keep on working on myself and I keep reading like the, what's what's new and medical and all. So there is that gap will keep widening in between me and my 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 students and me, my my patients. And all of a sudden, like if I'm a student under Ibrahim and you have that huge gap, I will be like, oh, my God, my life could change if I'm just around you so so if we have the gap and, and you know those people when you meet them That's when you meet them you're like oh my god there's something i can learn from this person but the problem is there's a lot of people that are in the expert position but they don't know anything you know uh or their their last book they read is uh 19
0: this is what annoys me oh my god
2: 1999. <laughs> i love the concept they say i have 20 years experience you have one year repeated 20 times that's the
0: thing. They have to keep learning. They have to keep reading. They have, well, not just reading. There's so many different other ways of learning um, and work ethic.
2: You, you know what? But but that's the reason behind that is because we are subsidized. I mean, I, I think that's really good. We, we have a lot of things from the government. But if things... If you go to other countries, our neighbor countries, for example, you go to Jordan, people work hard. They, they they work very hard because they don't take anything for granted. Of course. So so every time... they. That difference means I can survive or not. But if you don't have to, why? Why Why should I? But But like, for example, you have all these cafes right now. Some of them, a lot of them are closing. If you don't have a a significant difference, if you don't keep working on that, you're going to be out. So same thing if there's a lot of like architecture firms. If you were a firm like you never grew like 10 years ago, you're out of business already. Oh yeah, uh, I, I was. See uh, that. I, I definitely see that. I was with uh, some friends in um, a gym business. Like I was, I was just thinking about this, and that business is struggling because the leaders are not growing. They're not like they're not really running a business. They're just like it's a hobby. You know, let's come in, have a couple of people work, and just I'm going to live on this for the rest of my life. It doesn't work that way. No, <laughs> that's
0: the thing. It doesn't work that way. It's the business. It's that, like you said, you have to keep learning and. I feel like this is what we should kind of, like, what progress should be in Kuwait for the next, like, I don't know, 10, 20 years. Like, the work ethic in the youth needs to, like, be in check, kind of. Um, they need to understand that even when you graduate, like, like you there's no such thing as landing somewhere. There's no such thing as, oh, I got this position. No, you still need to learn. You still need to understand, like... A lot of other concepts. When you know, like, oh yeah, you've reached that, and you know everything, that's when you actually don't know nothing, and you yeah. have to learn more.
2: But so. we we are focused here on uh, certificates, right? So yeah. everybody, and I hate this. <laughs> I, like you go, you give a. I'm sure you have this, Brian, You go and you give a talk, and they give you. Hey,
0: I don't want these things. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's so annoying. But like, what am I supposed to do? But
2: people, but <laughs> people collect those because they have no value. In it. So that's like that's uh, like a. You know, we have uh, It's like a basement full of no, no, I'm it. serious, but but that's like a that's like a, a builds my confidence. Okay, I have a I have shahada, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and because wow. sometimes they buy like these uh these certificates just to get a job, and and uh I in, you, in, in other best. places, like yeah. for example, you don't the degree doesn't mean anything.
0: They, I was talking about yeah. that today. <laughs> I could you not like. Um, like, so the, the students, they called me architect Hissa or engineer Hissa and I hate it. I'm like, first of all, I'm
2: not they call doctor. me doctor. I'm not a doctor. Like, I'm not
0: an architect. I have a, I have a degree in architectural engineering. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm an engineer, but please just don't call me with that. My name is Hissa. And then like my, my uh, coworker, she has a master's and she's like, but Hissa, um, if they call you by their na- your name, they will not respect you. Anymore, they'll see you as like
2: their equivalent. And I was like, "What?" It's crazy because people okay. need a title to differentiate right? themselves uh, instead and of I, the I value.
0: Just, I was like, <laughs> oh, "Interesting." That so yeah, so like, I don't understand. So like, like you're a human being. I'm a human being. You just <laughs> there is
2: a, um, a guy named John Maxwell. I don't know if you know him. He is like known for leadership books. So like, so many books on leadership. One of them is the Twenty One Laws of uh, Irrefutable. Laws of Leadership, 21. Yeah. Really, really good book. And one of his, uh, I, I attended uh, many of his classes. Uh, and one of the things he says is like, uh, uh, titles are useless. And if you need them, you're in deep trouble. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So oh, yeah. to tell you, like, for, for example, now I'm trying to learn, read a little bit more in Arabic. And when I go to or I go to a place, and I know this is bad, but <laughs> if, if the title says written by Dr. Ruflani, I don't buy it because they're trying to use their title to sell the book and And I don't care about the title but you only need that title if you don't have the value gap if you don't have it you need a title to differentiate yourself but if you already have it you don't need it
1: that's a good point. so value gap and so to wrap up what else do you guys think what direction do you think we should take in terms of making progress in kuwait or
0: yeah like how should progress kind of look like like what what would within, like, the 10, 20 years. I mean, t- right now, it's the best time to be in Kuwait. Like, I thank God that my visa didn't work out and I'm back in Kuwait because I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, and there's no such thing as coincidence. So, um,
2: yeah. I think um, uh, for... Uh, I mean, I am I'm, I'm I agree with you. I love Kuwait right now and what's happening. We're, like, in a cultural revolution. There's a lot of different things that are happening. The, the youth are, uh, like, really driven and 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 people are hungry for conversations like this and topics like this there is a thirst for this stuff um i remember like there's that documentary you should watch this uh uh i'll, I'll get you this documentary it's called we uh and it's it's uh, arundati uh roy also and it's phenomenal documentary But watch it to the very end, till the very, like I was just watching it to the very end, to the end of credits. And I love at the end what it says. Like after all the credits are gone, it says read or we're all doomed. So for us, I think we have to know that education is what's going to get us there. It, like we have to read. We, and, and there's a lot of different ways you can read. There's YouTube, there's podcasts. There's, you can actually speed up the podcast and listen to it a lot faster. And there's, you can, instead of listening to like hip hop in the gym, listen to something that will grow you. Like I, I love these uh, earpiece that I have with me. Wherever I go, I'm in jamia I'm listening to something, I'm growing. I'm, I, I, I don't know, this is just the way I am. But I know um, th- the thing I might believe that people don't read because they don't think it will help them. And if we live in a society where it's based on certificates and what you're... Then why should they read? But if you live in it where it's your merit and what you do, then... Because if I read and I read like 10 books and my income grows by 500, 600, 700, 1,000 KD, guess what? People will start reading.
3: Uh, Progress in Kuwait. Yeah, I think... um, We need to have a vision, number one. I think there needs to be a clear vision. And I admire the... The visions that have been set in, in countries surrounding Kuwait, I admire the clarity of the vision, the fact that they're shared with everyone, and everyone gets to see what the vision actually is. So having a vision that's educational, that's economical, healthcare, everything, because we need to really overhaul it all. We need to, we need to keep up with the, the, the fast pace of the world, or we will be left uh, behind. I'm glad that now things are, are picking up pace. I'm, I'm glad. But it can't, it can't be, this is the thing, it can't be just, okay, let's sit and wait for someone to put a vision for us. You know? I'm glad to see people like you guys. You know, Ali, from before, I know that he's been active with these things. Winto, with this podcast. And I like how you're... And you. <laughs> no, no, I, I like how... I, I'm, I'm talking as like an outsider observer. <laughs> you know? I like how you guys are, are really reaching out and not isolating yourselves into these little bubbles. And saying, you know, Allah... Oh, we're so ahead of everyone, and and this this is a sign that you you are reaching out, you want to pull people up. But this, for me, it's 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 amazing, and let's keep doing that. Let's be humble. Let's have this humility, and and that's all I have to say. Hey, can, can I add one more thing?
2: I think I, I humble humility is really important, and I as we think about progress, it's I I believe it's important not just to think that everything outside of Kuwait is the best and we have like the worst, no, we have amazing stuff. Um, So I would look back, how can I uh, improve from where we are and like uh, really look at what am I consuming? What are the ideas am I getting? Is this really my ideas or is somebody else's ideas? And are they really helping us or not? There's a lot we can use from outside that will help us. But uh, uh, I go back to education is key. Um, and there's a quote, uh, there's no difference between those who can't read and those who don't. So if you can't read, it's the same thing if you don't read. So both are illiterate.
1: Man, Ali always has these amazing, like, <laughs> yeah, amazing <laughs> like one-liners. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think progress for me would be, like, ideally, like, I would love if Kuwait, you know, if we stopped romanticizing mm-hmm. the West. Yes. And romanticizing the idea of development more than... Kind of like the title (laughs) rather Mm -hmm. than the actual development. Like, I think uh, that's a great metaphor for, like, how we like sometimes flashy buildings or tallest towers. Because we like... We're this title culture, right? And we're not actually creating this actual value gap. We're not actually investing necessarily in value and the subcultures that Hasa was talking about, these little local businesses. So, invest local is big and don't romanticize
0: i would like to thank um ali and Ibrahim for coming here um i had we had an amazing time um and i hope you guys enjoy um our conversation i'd like to thank belong for having us here and give us giving us the opportunity to talk about our podcast and our episodes um, Thank you Hessa for the cookies (laughs) You're welcome No worries, thanks a lot And
1: have a great day See you next time